0: Welcome, welcome, guys. We are back for another episode of The Lock-In. I'm here as usual with my prison cellmate, Dara O'Carney. And I want to bring up one thing, actually, Dara, right out of the gate that I, I don't know whether this is true or not. So as listeners to The Chip Race will know, Barry Carter has taken over the news segment from our dearly departed brethren, Ian Simpson, who finally left us after five years of abuse at my hands. I was chatting with Barry before we recorded the last news segment on the most recent show, and he told me that there are times on this show when he believes that you, Dara O'Carney, are only finding out about some topical news item when I mention it to you literally seconds before I ask you to weigh in with an opinion on said news item. Of course, I told him he must be wrong. And there was no way Dara doesn't spend his week scouring through the poker media landscape in preparation for this show. Which of us is
1: right? Uh, Barry's completely right. Um, <laughs> first of all. I almost never read uh, poker media. Um, the only time I ever read poker media, and the only and it's also true on Twitter, the only tweets I read are where, where people tag me. <laughs> if people tag me, I'll read it, yeah, and I'll mm-hmm. click the like button 99 times out of 100 to show that I've read it. But, uh, yeah, a lot of the time, completely new stories to me. That's why I like when you tell me this stuff in advance, because even if I don't know about it on my run, I can think about some stuff I can say about it that might be true or or might not be but it's definitely true yeah Barry's Barry's very sharp on that front
0: <laughs> well without further ado I want to introduce our special guest this week she's a poker player a science writer a GP award nominated poker writer and soon to be GP the award. author of a best-selling book called The Truth Detective she's our great pal and the very glamorous it must be said I don't know what she thought what kind of shows she thought she was going on this week Alex O'Brien Alex
2: welcome Hi, guys. Nice to see you again. This is our second lock-in, by the way. I have you corrected there.
0: Oh, did that's you- right. We did. We did get locked into a, a, an actual bar recently.
2: Yes, yes. I fondly remember that. Not so much the next morning when when I had to wear sunglasses indoors. But yeah, that was fun.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you remembered. I actually have very vague memories of that entire evening. Dara, what are your recollections? You That was the beer pong night, I think, and you drank
1: all the beer. I was, yeah. I mean, I was. That was that, that that was horrendous. I mean, I was dragged along to this thing, not even meant to be taking part in the beer pong. Suddenly, I found myself not only beer ponging, but being the only member of the team who could even drink beer, which was. And then the next day, I had to play my main event, and I do remember Alex wandering around. <laughs> Sunglasses glasses it and everybody brutal. going oh, I mean, that supermodel over there who thinks she's at, she's at she's at Monte Carlo or something, and not in the Bonnington.
2: I was <laughs> meant to be in Monte Carlo, remember? Um, no, because I mean I don't. I mean the last time I stayed up until four a.m., I cannot tell you when that was. I, I uh, but we, it, it was fun, chatting away. So it was
0: dancing. I remember there was a lot of dancing.
2: That was dancing, wasn't there?
0: It was dancing. Oh,
2: oh Tina Turner. There was a follow of <laughs> Tina Turner, and it's like, it like gives away your age when you know who the the, the singer is.
0: Well, so. there's no fooling anybody that we would all know Tina Turner. I don't <laughs> think any of us could bluff that one. Um, but look, I, I do want to ask you, Alex, a bit about ah. your recent adventures on the poker uh, mm-hmm. circuit. But I'm going to say that for later. First up, I want to ask you about. Your experiences sort of in general in the poker world, your superb BBC article from last year thrust you into the limelight, so to speak, in that you spoke about your experience of winning that Tan Bilzerian 40th birthday free roll, the price which included a heads-up match against the king of buying Instagram followers on Instagram. Uh, Dan is almost 42 now, I think, and still no match. Uh, What is the latest? Is he still ducking and diving?
2: You know, it's, I don't have visibility on that. I did get a couple of weeks ago um, a a message asking me for the dates I'll be in Vegas from Gigi. Uh So uh, I told him the dates I would be there for the 4th of July actually. Um, And uh, then heard nothing again. I mean, at this point I'm just.
0: Is that just so he could make an excuse not to be there at that time? That's probably what happened, is it? (laughs) don't
2: know <laughs> that that could be an interesting strategy right so what are your dates again yeah i'm not going to be there um uh, could be I, I have no idea um Why i mean be- I, I would like a little bit of a heads up hey um <laughs> uh, if we are going to do this it'd be i think it'd be only fair um but as far as I'm considered, it, this is not happening. And, and in fact, I mean, it's a bit boring now, right? I mean, it's a bit old news to not having done it. For, there were so many opportunities I've offered so many times I'd fly out, you know, um, but nothing has come off it. And I'm not, I don't chase guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've said I want to do it. So, um, but yeah, nothing, nothing really. Um But I don't think anybody wants to see that
0: anyway, so it's okay. No way, we definitely want to see it. That BBC article, though, was called How a 10K Poker Win Changed How I Think. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: How did it change the way you think and how did it also influence, I suppose, your upcoming book, Truth Detective, which is at least similar in the terrain?
2: Yes. So, first of all, like... Um, poker has kind of trained my thinking I guess It recalibrated it in many ways I mean the way I talk about my availability you know uh, it's more precise I'd say things like I'm 75% sure I can make it <laughs> rather right? and I'm more likely likely mean, could mean a lot of things to a lot of people so I'm very precise in my predictions in general but I'm also like when it comes to bad news, for example, the way you handle bad news, um we that's part of life, right? But you have a much better sense of dealing with a, a sort of an acceptance. You have a much bigger acceptance about bad outcomes in life or unexpected, you know, because life is beautiful because it's unpredictable, right? When we accept that this is what life is about, the reason we enjoy living is because we don't know what's coming next and in every sense of the way. Um, and but a lot of people perhaps aren't able to deal with life's unpredictability as well, and I was definitely in that camp where I'd be like, "Oh my god, life is shit." And and now, yeah, yeah, life is shit. But I'm sort of don't cry as much anymore. Sort of if I was oscillating here, I'm much more sort of here now. Like the swings are not as bad. And I think something that that you had told me, David, as well. Ah, um, uh, it, it kind of I'm more in control of um, the things that I can. You know, that are out of my control. I mean, control, but the things of that are out of my control. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you, you have that acceptance. And also, in terms of um, just thinking ahead, like sort of understanding my environment better, like understanding other people's intentions. I think that is something that has really focused my mind in a lot of ways. Like, I um, deal with a varied, selection of humans in different fields. I'm a science writer, I'm a mom, you know, I'm a poker player, I'm a wife, you know. So you have different stimuli and different expectations thrown at you. And um, anticipating the next move, or anticipating what people really are trying to tell you is, has been um, a great advantage um, because I've, I'm better at that than I was when, before I started playing poker, because you just kind of start to think about logically about the decision trees people might have in their minds. Um, uh, yeah, and I do that much better now. So yeah, lots of, I mean, I could go on. I've written a book about it, so yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't, don't tell us all the book, you have to keep something back. But Tara, I suppose what Alex is doing there is, is sort of explaining how poker retooled or reprogrammed her brain or the way she sort of views the world in, in a lot of ways. What did it do for you? You started obviously about 15 years ago, same as me. Do you feel like you came in with a sort of a mindset that was very suited to poker already? Or do you think it changed your mindset or, or you know, what's the balance of those two things?
1: Yeah, no, I think it, it, it it's probably the case that I came in with a mindset already very well attuned to poker. It, it, it was almost like everything I had done in my life up to that point was was preparing me and training me for poker. Um, the game aspect the, from the other games that I had played at a fairly high level, understanding that you focus on strategy and and if you get your strategy right, you will do well. Um you know, I I, I gambled as a, even, I, I, I think I started betting on horses at the age of four. So I kind of understood variance as well. I understood the gambling aspect of, of, of poker. So I didn't struggle at all with that. I think running, um, particularly the the really long stuff, had in, had it sort of induced this sort of stoicism in me as well, um, where I just accepted that you focus on the things you can control and you don't worry too much about the other stuff and you and you just have to deal with them. And I think also just the fact that I was older, I had a sort of a bigger zoom out. Um, I had a, you know, every year of my life. At the age of 40 was only two and a half percent of my life whereas if you come at the age of 25 and it seems a lot more and, and and you focus much more on the short term so i do see that with my students um and uh, some of them some of them are very very good at poker but they struggle with the other stuff and but gradually over time the 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 mentality of poker and the tricks that poker teaches you bleeds into the rest of their life and they actually become better at that um you know there's, there's one very extreme example i'm not going to say who this person's name is although i suspect people might be able to guess but maybe the best poker player I've ever interacted with. Oh, stop it, there Don't be bringing me up this story. Well, possibly like. the worst at dealing with life. And, uh, and 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 there's a real disconnect there between, the, you know, this person is incredible at dealing with all the stuff that poker tro- can throw at you, the bad beats, the variance, et cetera, et cetera, but will go off the rails over something fairly minor um, in, 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 in their personal life. But again, gradually over time, this person, I do see, an improvement which i absolutely ascribe to poker poker does rewire your brain and you start to see the the, the the lessons of poker you know don't don't worry too much about variance zoom out look at the big picture realize that you're always going to have downswings etc etc um that does translate over to life I'm sure it
0: does well there are also you and i Obviously, both spend a decent amount of time writing. We write articles and blogs. Books are a very different story, though. I've only ever written one thing of book length. It was my philosophy thesis. You've written three strategy books, of course. Describe for me the main difference when tackling something long form.
1: Um, well, obviously, you've got more room to, to, to explore the topic and you're less concerned with sort of like immediately drawing the, the reader in. Um, although that's that's quite important, too. The way we have structured all of our books... Uh, is cognizant of the fact that, you know, as a as a reader of poker books, I know that I don't get to the end of ninety percent of them. Um, I get to a certain point in the book, and for whatever reason, I stop. And we kind of suspect it's the same for everybody else. So we front load our books. We put all the really important stuff at the start, irrespective of where it comes. And, you know, in in Poker Satellite Strategy, that meant talking about the end of satellites first rather than the beginning, because the end is far more important. So that if somebody does only get 30, 40, 50 percent the way through, at least they will have got all the most important stuff um i also think with all of our books we we started out with an, an idea of what the form is going to be and then it's changed dramatically as we as we've gotten into it you just kind of suddenly realize okay it actually doesn't make sense to talk too much about this um but 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 this thing which we thought was a relatively minor point is actually much bigger than we thought and um so it's much more fluid and you have to sort of keep moving the parts around and throwing out some parts and, and bringing in new parts um it's also weird, but like you start out with this idea, well, this is a book, so this can be as long as we like, but that's not really the case. Um, you know, nobody's going to read a 2000 page book on satellites. Uh, They're not even going to pick it up. They're going, this is, this is completely pointless. So, you know, for example, when, when I, when I did my, um, my satellite masterclass for learn pro poker, one of the freeing things about that was, well, this is a, for, this is a series of videos now, and this can be as long as we need. So we can put literally everything into it. Whereas with the books, we constantly found, we were going, okay, if we put this in, it's too long. And to be honest, it's not, it's not major anyway. Um, So it, it, it it, it does kind of focus you down to the to, to the key essentials. So it's one of those things where, yeah, initially you think it's just incredibly long and we can say anything, and then very quickly you realize everything has to actually be... You, 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 you absolutely can't waffle as well, because if you waffle, people will just lose interest. I think that's why most people don't get to the end of most poker books. Um, at some point, they get a little bit self-indulgent and they go down rabbit holes that maybe the reader isn't that interested in. And then the reader just loses interest. And we try to avoid that with our books. And we and we had lots of people telling us that not only, not only do they read the book and get to the end, but they went back and reread it a couple of times, um, which I think is completely contrary to most people's experience of poker books.
0: Yeah, that's certainly a, a lovely comment on. Back to you, Alex. Um, I suppose during the time when you wrote the article and, and obviously been working away on the book, but also probably down to our mutual friend, Jen Shahadeh, who is a queen of many things, but also uh, networking and, and putting uh, like-minded people together and creating social groups. You have found yourself a, a lot of friends and contacts now in the poker world. Uh, I know you've put in a decent amount of study and you've been putting that into practice by traveling for the first time to poker festivals Uh, most recently of course you came to malta and then the dublin festival in the last month or so how were those experiences overall for you
2: oh i have to say um it was fascinating it felt like um going to a boot camp that's how i kind of explain it to my non-poker player friends um but yeah so um you're right so having sort of been thrust into this sort of poker world um, and have made so many great friends um has definitely met that meant that i'm exposed in a different way that maybe some amateur players or semi pros um are exposed to um, and i feel very fortunate um to have those connections um, But yeah, coming to Malta was great. First of all, Malta is an amazing destination. I I don't need much of an excuse to jump on a plane to go. Um, But it was beautifully, it was brilliantly organized. It was my first time traveling to play for poker. Uh, I didn't know what to expect, but it was very well organized, uh, um, very well structured um but what was interesting was that people were coming up to me saying hey Alex how's it going and I'm like oh my god I don't know who this person is how do I not <laughs> remember this person and 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 then after a while you realize they they know you from things like this or having read your article or seen seeing you on social media in some shape or form I've done a couple of streams right um a lot of people remember that stream I did with our friend Ian um so so that, that that was a that was an interesting uh experience for me uh and then in Dublin I had my first selfie request with somebody and that was again was a moment where I genuinely felt like I did not remember the person I thought that person was a friend because they acted like they were they knew me <laughs> yeah. and 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 that threw me <laughs> so um yeah no, but I it was definitely Gosh, you know, I I did these um, um, destination poker experiences, (laughs) that's how I explain that, because um, in the run-up to the World Series, because I didn't want to sort of go cold turkey World Series, um, you know, because I wanted to at least have some exposure to what it means to just play poker 24 seven. And yeah, I mean, it's exhausting. I, I think um, you were talking about uh, Dara. You were talking earlier about the, the variants and how people deal with um, uh, ne- negative outcomes at the tables, right? My husband was saying uh, after was coming home from Malta. He's like, I was getting a bit worried about you because your <laughs> your text messages were getting increasingly existential because. <laughs> I mean, I mean, talking about run dad, right? And I'm just—it was just—I I kept, I kept thinking, what is going on? I every single time I'd bust a tournament, I'd go back to the hotel room, open the Sims, put in the hands, go, okay, if I made a mistake, I deserve to get knocked out. And he go like, nope, nope, didn't make a mistake, still got out. You know, <laughs> it's just. And then you think, it's fine, you just stick to it. And it's so hard to maintain that, that focus, go, okay, it's fine. You just cool it again, right? Cool <laughs> it, fine. Um, and, and
0: particularly miserable for you, Alex, as well, was, you know, you, you had a tough time with a few bullets in the main, but then you basically bubbled the high roller, which was pretty gross because you had a stack in that I mean, but I while.
2: celebrated that like a win. I was like, <laughs> yes! I didn't suck. I played with like, oh, but you know what? That high roller. What made it also very sweet was, um, as I was sitting down next to me sat my nemesis from the main, who basically bluffed me off a set of aces, and I because I couldn't piece it together, and I folded like a massive hand on a huge pot at that point and on the river, it just jams all in. I'm like, oh no! And then. I open fold my aces to show I had like a you know huge hand, and that basically also swears. well, I'm like, you better fucking have it right, <laughs> because I'm so angry that I have to fold this. And no, then you're, he... you're a
0: pirate. I, I've seen this many many times <laughs> now already. You
2: you swear like a pirate. Oh no, I'm a fishmonger's wife. You know, pirate would be too nice to me. Um, <laughs> and then um, and then he shows me the bluff. I was so tilted, I had to get off. I, I literally jumped off the table and walked off. I'm like. <laughs> Oh, my God, I'm going to kill you. I was just like, I was shaking. <laughs> I was so angry. And then I sit down in the high roller and he sits down next to me. I'm like, no. I just went, no, uh-uh. <laughs> just, I was, and, then, and then, but then at that table, I can actually, they played poker. I mean, I could, I, I like, after about 15 minutes, we were, we were playing. I was full betting. I was just, you know, I was bluffing effectively. I'm like, woo! this is nice. I was having fun. The high roller was fun and bubbling that I was totally happy with because I wasn't the first boss. I, I was really, really happy. Like I, like I said, I celebrated that like a win because I was happy with my play and I enjoyed playing it. So it was good.
0: Well, Darrell, I think a lot of players can relate to uh, Alex's experience here is of you know putting in the work, looking at the Sims, studying, making the effort, of course, to travel to a festival and then coming home empty handed. It is uh, a bit miserable sometimes. It's hard to be process focused uh, rather than results focused, even though that's, of course, the right way to think about it. What advice would you give to people like Alex?
1: Um, well, I, to be honest, I, I, some people are very good at this and they just come into poker naturally with a very stoical mindset. And um, But most of us don't. And uh, it's one of those things, that it definitely gets easier as you go along because you have a bigger, big picture. Um, when you come into poker first, like, you know, your first tournament is 100% of your experience, your second tournament is 50% of your experience, and, and so on. So it, it, it all seems very big. Like when I started, I, I think for the first few years, I think my worst. Cashless streak, let's say, was six tournaments, and you know that's just. First of all, it's nonsense that that was that was even the case. I clearly ran very well at the start, but it also didn't, didn't really expose me to sort of downswings. And that, then when they started to come, um, you know, even though I said earlier I was sort of well mentally prepared for poker when I came in, it, it's still difficult. Um, and you, you have to do exactly what Alex says she does: like go back to the hotel room, look at the sim, and 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 just shrug it off if you if you haven't made a mistake. Um and I think the other thing to focus on and, and to realize is that poker players often see variance as the enemy. Um, and they think, well, if we could somehow take the variance out of it and we just always get our EV. That would be a good thing, but that would be a horrendous thing. First of all, it would be incredibly boring. You know, you go along to every single tournament, and let's say you're a 20% winning player, and then you play for 10 hours, and then at the end, they give you 120% of your buy-in back, and they go, okay, well done. We've done another day's work. That would take a lot of the, uh, the interest and fun out of poker. The second thing is the variance is absolutely essential to get the bad players in, to get the losing players in you know people don't play chess against grandmasters for money because they know they're going to lose every single time there's no variance in that game it's the variance of poker which makes which 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 makes the whole thing possible um so you can even though it feels bad when you're dealing with negative variance you have to just ex- kind of see that variance is actually your biggest friend in poker without variance um, weaker players wouldn't wouldn't uh, try to compete against better players and it wouldn't be possible to actually win at poker
0: very well said well Alex, I mentioned there the friends and contacts that you've mm-hmm. made. Some of those have been in women's advocacy groups. And I know you're already getting involved in some stuff in that realm. Mm-hmm. What are the main problems as you see them for women in poker? And what are the main barriers to achieving goals that might be set?
2: Oh, boy, how long do we have? <laughs> um, I'd, like, think- I'd
0: like a, a two minute <laughs> version <laughs> of that.
2: Uh... Okay. Uh, I think one of the the main things um, I would think is that we can't solve these issues by airing our grievances on social media. It's just not gonna happen. We know what the issues are. And but what, what seems to happen in like a sort of I'm from an I still see myself as an outsider, but from an sort of a more somebody that's sort of half foot in. Uh, one foot in in the world is that it's always the same issues and always the same counter-arguments. And we don't seem to meet each other, right? The camp that says we need more women, we need to support women, versus, well, women don't really want to play poker or are risk-averse or aren't that great a player, all of that stuff. Um, the, The misperceptions, the way to tackle the misperceptions, in my view, is... To bring the facts, be factful about these issues. Um, so I want to approach it from a science and scientific mindset where I say, okay, so you think women are risk averse. Let's let's talk about that. No, that's bullshit. Uh, in short, the, the way we women get treated when they take risks, if they fail, they can treat it much harsher than men and get labeled as You know, she's not really skilled. She, you know, out of her depth. Whereas if men fail, and there's scientific studies that have, you know, backing this up, saying they're courageous, they've taken a, you know, they've taken a a, a real chance. They were visionary, even like visionary gets mentioned. You would never associate that with a woman that would have, you know, taken the same step. Um, So there's studies that just, dispel that misperception misperception there's also this idea about women you know uh don't like poker well no it's we don't get to the table that the, for us to get to the table you know again there's a differences the pay gap between men and women is still prevalent you know i don't have as much disposable income as my husband would so to, to go and sit down, put a buy-in down or two or three it is not the same. Also, we are mostly primary caregivers. I mean, our household, I'm very lucky. My husband is 50-50, you know, p- parenting in our household. Um, and even coming to Malta and Dublin, I it, it still looked at the calendar and go, okay, what is the least amount of time I can be away from my daughter or our daughter? <laughs> because – you know, just I didn't want to be away for more than in in uh, in four weeks, I'll be away for 16, 17 days. And, you know, that's a long time for moms. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a number of things, but I want us to be factual. Like, I see a lot of pros online um, throwing these um, ideas about what women are like and how they should uh, how they approach poker based on just assumptions and perception but not on facts and that is something that we need to hopefully um, tackle um, in a most constructive way and I'm working with this group of women uh, to hopefully make changes in that and also we need to sorry I'm on oh, no, no it's over two minutes sorry uh,
0: No, no, I was low (laughs) Low-hanging fruit.
2: And we're not going to solve the gender differences and the disparities that we have because this is not a poker-centric issue. This is not a chess-centric issue or esports gaming. This is like a societal issue and, 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 you know, widespread. But what we can do is low-hanging fruit. What are the immediate changes that we can put into place that we can, you know, that we can see immediate effects? And that's the thing that we can focus on. There's so Everybody has so many ideas. And the other thing we need to do is, yes, we can talk about these things and we can exchange ideas and have charity events and ladies events. But if we don't get the decision makers, I'm getting really passionate, sorry. If we don't get the decision makers at the table with us, then we can talk till the cows come home, no changes will be implemented. We need to get those pros that have really strong opinions about women in poker, and, and, and talk to them and, you know, have a discourse, a debate and, and ideas exchange, and then take away home, take home takeaways to, to then really agree as an industry, these are the changes we need to put in place. Like, why are that, no, if somebody acts like a, an idiot at the table to any player, man or women, they should face a fine. They should face some sort of punishment I mean, you go to a local pret here in London, there's signs up saying, please be kind to our staff. You know, I mean, humans are just point blank assholes. They can be horrible. They're not just in poker rooms. But if my pret can say, behave reasonably, otherwise you will just not get your coffee ever from us. Then a poker room can say, behave like a human to another human Otherwise, you'll just won't come back into our poker room. I mean, that, that's not difficult. But if you're not if you're not threatened with a punishment, you're just gonna you're just gonna know I'm gonna get away with any shit I can throw at somebody. Mm. Oh so, yeah, I'm gonna shut up now.
0: No, no, no. You make great <laughs> points, and obviously the issue is much more wide and societal. But you also men- mentioned low hanging fruit there. And I suppose there were a couple of moments in the last few weeks where there was clear examples of low-hanging fruit that could have been done better. Uh, The first that comes to mind is that the Ladies WSOP FT is not being televised. Scheduling issues, and and I kind of get the way the main event takes precedence, and it's kind of running up close to the main event. But something should have been figured out ahead of time there. And then, of course, the GG Ladies event was an open event, which seemed just scandalously stupid and always going to create bad headlines and and a bad feeling. Do you have a strong view on maybe those two industry things where, you know, someone working in the industry should really have just stepped in and made sure that wasn't the case?
2: I have to, I have to like be fair as well. I mean, I get that, you know, the WCP as I always describe it as the Wimbledon of poker, but it's also a business, right? It's not a charity. It's also a business. And I get that, streaming perhaps a ladies event um, might not be commercially viable for them like let's just put it out there. i'm not saying that's right or wrong i'm just saying that all the decisions that I've made are pretty much made on a commercial basis so there's that um, and and there's the chicken and eggs thing right you want more representation you want other women to see that there's a woman you know generating more audiences in that way as well um, but yeah, that one could have, especially so soon after, I think, was it was it a, the leak from the Supreme Court where we heard that Roe versus Wade might be struck down. So, um, yeah, it, for an American brand, I would have liked to see um, a bigger messaging there, so, you know, being a proud American brand that supports women that could have been done better, but but this, this is just one lady's event, right? The, 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 the root causes run a lot deeper than streaming one lady's event, I would say. Um, so um, if we were to force a, such a big brand force, would ask a brand with such a big cloud and, and brand recognition to do something effective and meaningful for this audience, for this group of players, I think we could we, we could ask them to do different things. Um yeah. But this yeah, I, I I don't have the solution. I'm not saying I have the solution. I'm just saying this but we can try with the low hanging fruit is try to dispel some of these very strong held misperceptions about who what women are like and what their behaviors are triggered by and how they think, Um, the the differences are very small, Um, but yet the sort of ideas, the stereotypes uh, prevail.
0: That's really well said. Um, You mentioned there, obviously, the WSOP. I suppose I can segue neatly across to The fact that the WSOP has started and it's very exciting and it's back in its original slot in the summer and we're all very excited to be heading out there. I think actually all three of our trips will overlap nicely. We are tracking closely here on the show uh, because these are the only people we care about, obviously, in the industry is former guests. uh, And and if they win bracelets, Uh, David Peters won the high roller about a week ago. And we were delighted, of course, just a few days ago that Dan Smith won the 25K heads up. He's a great friend of the shows as well. In many ways, this story was overshadowed by the Vogelzang tanking story, but we're going to hold off discussion on that till the next show. So we can give our full attention right now to just how awesome it is that Dan Smith has got that particular monkey off his back, uh, uh, passing the baton, I suppose you could say, of best player without a bracelet to, I Guess Ike Axton or Steve O'Dwyer or one of those kind of guys. Uh, Jamie christetter commented after that she'd rather be the worst with the bracelet than the best one out without one. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, but it was very obvious Dan was very emotional after the win. It was clear that it meant a lot to him. He referred to watching WSOP with his dad and it sort of being a big deal. Uh, we've gotten to know Dan a little bit over the last few years. He's he's made a few appearances on our different shows. Uh, Alex, you got to know him too. Were you happy to see this?
2: Oh, I, I had tears in my eyes. I was so, I mean, he's such a, a really good human. He does, he has um, a double up drive, his charity that I don't know a lot of people know or not, but he does a lot of charity work and effective altruism and uh, raises millions and millions and millions each year and, um, and he's, you know, he he lives life to the full. Um, you know, he parties hard, he plays hard, but he's also focused on on on, on not wasting it all by helping others. And to see him succeed, to see him like, you know, holding a bracelet, I oh, it was it was a sweet moment. It was it was really special. I'm very excited to see him in Vegas and you know making sure that I I buy him a celebratory drink. So yeah, I know super excited for him. He deserves it. He's a great player. I mean, he's a he's he's a genius. So yeah.
0: Yeah, he is certainly one of the best. Dara, your thoughts when you saw it. I know you
1: were delighted as well. Yeah, I was thrilled. Dan, Dan is genuinely one of the guests that I felt felt the strongest connection with when we when when we interviewed him and and is and the fact it meant so much to him too that that that's sort of good I I think sometimes pros send a very jaded withered um, message out to recreations that we don't care about trophies and we don't care about bracelets and and all this stuff and it really doesn't play well with the with the gallery it's nice to see a genuine enthusiast like dan um come in and you know we, we can we can talk about all the negatives of the wsop and 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 uh, and they're obviously fair game but but they do an awful lot that's really good as well they do better than anybody else they draw the recreationals into their um into their festival and they get everybody to buy into this idea that winning a bracelet is a is a monumental thing um and you know obviously they're they're you know going back to the you know whether the ladies should be streamed or not, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, what I would say on that stuff is, you know, well, that's capitalism, baby. They are not a charity. They are it is absolutely not their job to um to 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 grow poker in any way. They do a very good job putting recreations in. But you know, they basically sell the streaming rights to PokerGO, and if you can say that it's not the WSOP's job to grow poker, it's definitely not PokerGO's uh, job. They're they, they are a pure for profit organization. They're going to look at the figures very very carefully and say, look, every time we show ladies' events, we get half the viewership that, of, uh, of an open event. So what what uh, you know, it just we don't care whether they're more women in the in, in the game or not. it, it is literally just. We're going on what's going to make the most money for us, um, and that's just the capitalist structure you, you work within. It's it's for the people who have uh, who, who you know who don't have that narrow focus of we have to make as much profit as possible. They're the people who need to be um, promoting uh, not just not just more winning the game, but more diversity across the board. Uh, you know, we we always take the view that um, we want to overrepresent women in terms of our guests on the chip race and on the lock in we also are aware that on average, uh, the shows which have a female lead guest get less viewers than or are, are less listeners than the, the other ones. But, you know, we're prepared to take that on the chin because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to us too much whether 6,000 or 7,000 people download uh, The Chip Race. Um and we're lucky enough to have sponsors who are understanding on that front as well. You know, Unibet have a sort of a Scandinavian culture where it's not all just about cutthroat, about maximum viewerships and, and, and maximizing profits. But when you're when you're operating in a different culture, as Americans are, then it's kind of understandable that they are more focused on just the profit bottom line.
0: It's great to see that this show is not losing touch with its socialist, anti-capitalist roots. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost becoming a Marxist podcast, depending on the guests we get on sometimes. <laughs> but um, from one Dan to another, this week, Dara uh, and I recorded a strategy segment with Patrick Antonius, which will be on our next show going out just before the WSOP main event. In it, we discussed a hand between Patrick, Daniel Legranu and Phil Ivey. And without spoiling, it's fair to say that we give a lot of credit to Negreanu and the way he played his hand. Personally doing so made me feel a little bit dirty. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but, you know, credit where it is due. He did play the hand well. I did want to point out, though, just for counterpoint and balance, uh, that actually today, the day this show actually airs, uh, marks the 14th anniversary since the day Negreanu last won a WSOP bracelet on US soil. Uh, <laughs> no question, he is an improved player these days. But, Dara, do you think we'll see him finally win his seventh bracelet or will this hilariously long streak continue?
1: Um, I mean, this is kind of a nonsense question, really. This is a bit like asking if I think my neighbor might win the lottery because they're buying more tickets. Okay.
0: Okay. Let's put it this way then. What percentage chance do you think he has of winning a bracelet this year?
1: Ooh, that's a much better question. Um, I mean, he plays everything and he plays the small runner fails. and he is genuinely much better these days um, than, than he was a few years ago. Um, He came out of the poke challenge a much better player with a genuinely good understanding of modern poker theory. Um, And, uh, and, uh, you know, you said it makes you feel dirty. It it doesn't make me feel dirty to give him credit as a player because he's always been a great player. Uh, And, uh, you know, I've never ever questioned how good he is on that front. Um, My, my concerns about him were on other, in, in other areas. And again, it's partial. Like it's not, I think everything he does is terrible, but, Purely on the poker front. Okay. I'm going to say it's about, I mean, the thing is like you say 14 years, but I mean, does anybody really have more than a 10% chance of winning a bracelet in any given year? Um, It's, it would be hard to argue that more than a 10% chance So a 14 year streak. is not even that bad. Um, I
0: I am willing to guess here that he's probably fired more bullets in those 14 years than any other single player as well. Yeah.
1: yeah, conceded, conceded. Um, uh, okay, I mean, I'm, I, I guess he's somewhere in the 5 to 10% region. Do um, you think it's that low? I mean, mm. it might be higher. It might be higher. Alex,
0: what do you think? Dara's going what, with 10% what's the smallest runner going field he
1: plays? What's the smallest runner field he plays?
0: He plays some. Well, he played the 64-runner 25K heads up there the other day, and there's probably a decent number of 100Ks that get 40, 50 runners, that kind okay, of thing. Okay, then,
1: yeah, I guess it's more than 10% then. Um, okay, maybe 15%.
0: Yeah, I think I'm probably on the kind of 15 to 20, maybe even a bit above 20, but what do you think Alex?
2: Oh, I, I wouldn't even dare to throw a guess out. I I don't feel qualified to have an opinion on that. <laughs> I just genuinely don't. I mean, it'd be nice for him to win one. No, no, don't say that. No, it's the wrong thing no. to say. Be hilarious and nice
0: for yeah, this. To- I, I think Alex just consigned speech.
1: this one to the out, outtakes. This this episode will never be released. Now.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you uh, had a good run I, there, Alex. I, 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 all that I nice mean, stuff we, you said about women and poker is just going to be gone. <laughs> had a good run. I
2: mean, look, he, he he's. I mean, to be fair, and you notice, David, when I started first started playing uh, eight nine years ago, um, and I I got so passionate about poker, and I went online to to um and like learn and study because there weren't these poker sites and like all these different poker groups back then that that's i think only in the recent years so youtube was the only place i could go and learn a bit more about you know build up on my basics and and da, dan and grano's youtube videos were the ones always had like his he had lots of stuff online um and and it also he seemed like the player back then you know he was the one that kind of drew me in, and i I don't know, you know, and people change, obviously, so no,
0: I think it's fair to say, and we've always been very clear on the show as well,
2: like like our like point
0: out, we've never criticized his game, particularly on any occasion, and mm-hmm. we've mostly criticized the sort of way he's behaved on a, on a number of things mm-hmm. in the more recent past. You know, you go back 10 years, like you said, I think Darren and I would have both said he was doing more for the game than most and actually mm-hmm. a great ambassador. but Probably more uh, than I anyone, suppose. I would say. Yeah, but unfortunately, I think things have changed. Okay, Alex, you don't have a strong view on that one, but I think you're going to have a strong view on this next topic. Um, Ted Cruz on poker after dark. Oh, so no. <laughs> the, the, the next part, the, this part is it's sort of... um. What Dara is calling my ongoing series in uh, ambulance chasing attack pieces on the worst people in poker. I think he just thinks I'm chasing clicks at this point. Ted Cruz was on Poker After Dark last week, of course. That on its own is obviously fine. The episode was recorded way back in August. No,
1: it's fine.
0: Well, it's 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 like like, I wish he wasn't on it, but like I just mean the fact that he was on the show is fine. The episode was recorded back in August, but the timing and tone of Cruz's tweets about his appearance are what really enraged a lot of people and what I want to give a bit of time to hear. Cruz is the senator for Texas where last week, I suppose it's two weeks now from the perspective of when the show goes out, there was a horrific mass shooting in a school in Uvalde where 19 children and three teachers were killed on the day when several of those children were being buried. Cruz was brag tweeting about the quote ridiculous fun he had playing poker. And to say that that was tone deafness would be a huge understatement. Alex, what were your thoughts on this fucking ghoul of a human being and his latest display of indifference to the pain of his constituents?
2: yeah so so let, let me preface this all my opinions on my own my personal opinions <laughs> so um
0: you don't have to do that for the benefit of this show
2: I, i'm just i am I'm, i should also say i'm married to an american from new jersey so uh so let's get it all out so i spend a lot of time in the states um talking prayers and, and, and oh, <laughs> in a good part um so i i, I read about you know read two american newspapers daily and to 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 tone deaf. No, I think the, the, the what people like him are at this point are they just block out anything that doesn't align with their views, or that cr- would criticize their behavior as wrong. So they will just shut it out and not hear, not even prepared to hear out the other side, and um and just never assume that they're wrong. So so whilst there was a shooting just a couple of days before him where babies were shot. Um, and, and him tweeting, it just, it's disgusting and it's horrible. And it's um, just, I, he's a sorry excuse for a human being in my view, but it is not surprising. Like I am not surprised because, he, but as he's representative of a whole swath of, people um in the states that are fixated on a viewpoint and they will not be swayed by any type of argument because they are right and their way is the only way so I was not surprised but I was just appalled I was also appalled by you know it shouldn't have been screened like it like maybe it was to sort of get the clicks and I don't know it should, shouldn't have been you know televised at that moment in time as well it was just a bit
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think poker go bear some of the responsibility on that. And and just a shame, really, to have someone as gross as him now part of the poker landscape in any way, shape or form is miserable. Daryl, do you care to pile on?
1: Um, I mean, again, I kind of go back to my uh, previous comment about that's capitalism, baby. They know that this is going to get a lot of viewers, maybe for the wrong reasons. And uh, that, unfortunately, is just the way in general we're seeing media um, and even entertainment as it all conglomerates together go uh, we they, you you put on people that you know will outrage a lot of people and you that way you draw in both sides you draw in the the, the people who think ted cruz is 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 a wonderful representative of of the right wing in america and they want to see how he does and you draw into the people who want to be outraged uh, by how horrible it is that somebody like ted cruz and they want to see who's laughing at his jokes and who's interacting with him and and, and so on um it's obviously the, the, the timing is, is is as you said it's that's the really crucial thing and just the tone uh was it was completely tone deaf um putting out these uh these tweets um celebrating the fact that he was on a poker on a poker show at a time when when the kids were literally being buried in texas um uh that's that, that's fairly reprehensible but it's it's very much par for the course for cruise and it's on brand so Um, I don't think we can be too surprised. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to your future, uh, your piece on how Hitler might have been a vegetarian, but he was still a deeply horrible person. Um, (laughs) Did he play poker? We really are going after the easy targets here, David.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But it was a, I mean, a genuine question back to you guys. Was he, is your assumption that he was invited because, um, or maybe because he's a legislator and he can change laws in the States about gambling and poker? Because I really couldn't find a logical, reasonable excuse for why he was invited. There's like hundreds of other people that they could have invited. I think that would it's, have been viewing that would, would have shot the viewing uh, rates
1: up. That yeah, I think it nice. is just the viewers, baby. And, um, you know, poker in Texas is under the spotlight a lot at the moment. And I heard a, uh, I can't remember which podcast I was listening to, but I heard a very good point make, made about poker in Texas, which is that it's not really very well regulated. And because mm-hmm. of that, we're seeing all these scandals at the moment in um where you know they're not allowed to charge rakes, so therefore they have to try and make money in other ways. And that that creates all sorts of um weird incentives and um and problems. It seems to be a bit of a bit of still of the wild west for for, for poker. And I think we are going to see more scandals as a result. I mean it would be very nice to think that that that, that had in any way had uh, an impact on poker ghost's decision that they could get Ted Cruz in and and get him um uh, you know thinking about poker and maybe um uh, being being useful on that front, but um, I, I, you know, call me a hardened old cynic, but I don't think that played even the slightest part. Uh,
2: I don't know. I, I, mean,
0: I have a theory. I have a theory on it, which is I think actually Doyle Brunson might have been the key to this, which is that what I've noticed in the last year or so is is that it does appear that Doyle is sort of doing a one year tour swan song of sorts where he's being filmed. They're making a documentary about his life, obviously a fascinating documentary it will be. But Doyle's politics would align with Cruz's politics. And I have a feeling maybe in the context of making a poker show, a poker after dark episode around Doyle, this seemed like a way to sort of maybe allow Doyle to have some people he would have liked. There was a right wing, um, radio presenter who is very controversial as well, part of that lineup too. And I've I've a feeling it may have been cherry picked for that reason, but but that is just purely speculation.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, moving on. Uh, did this Actually, I just have a little note here to myself, which I've realized is very self-indulgent, but it just I, it just says the chip race boys are hitting form at the right time, Dara. Uh, I couldn't help but notice that we both had a bit of success on the online felt this past fortnight. I won the Hotter 55 and the Unibet Supernova back-to-back nights, and I've been winning some satellites as well. At the same time, over the same, actually, three or four nights, I noticed you'd had multiple five-figure nights with results on ACR and elsewhere. I Know it's a little bit silly and we are a bit hardened at this point, but um, to look at a, a little brief period of run good like this in the run up to Vegas, it's still nice to be up ticking right now, right?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, we, you know, poker is the easiest game in the world when you're running well, um, unless, unless you're one of those rare people who suffers from winner's tilt, um, which to be honest is not most people. Um, so it's a very easy game when it's going well, you you. you you know, you go in with a positive mindset. Uh, if, if you lose a flip, you're not that flip, then you're not worried because you, you're aware you've been going well over, over a, a fairly recent short, short sample. So it's, it, it, it definitely makes it easier to go to Vegas and prepare yourself for the trauma that is likely to happen <laughs> there. Um, uh um, rather than going already trauma pre-traumatized. Um <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to be one of those you know, I've, I've always said that if you want to see the biggest disparity between pe- the way humans can be, go to the first week of the WSP when everybody's wandering around they're full of they're full of energy they're bouncing up to each other people they haven't seen in ages and it's it feels like a big summer camp and everybody secretly is thinking this is the year I, I win a bracelet and every, everything is going to be great and then the last week when it's literally just zombies trailing through the halls wanting to be wanting to be dead wanting to be on the plane <laughs> home wanting it all to be over um and not even talking to people anymore oh um but you don't want to be a zombie in week 1 <laughs> that's just that's just a recipe for disaster uh it's okay to be a zombie by the end because it's nearly over then and anyway um but yeah it's it, it it's it's definitely nice to get that sort of um that run of form and um i mean i noted with with mirth that you who have been i would say a somewhat reluctant player in recent years and more than happy to uh to concentrate on the content are now saying to me oh i think we're doing too much content i think i want to cut back and stuff I want to play more because i made it because i want I won twelve and a half grand in three nights, and I think you know if 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 you work that yeah. out over two hundred, I'm going yeah, to be rich. By I could being. have made a
0: million quid this year if I just focused on exactly, poker. Exactly. <laughs> well, on that jo- joyful note and an image of uh, I don't know cannibalistic poker players trawling the uh, the the halls of the ballys now, uh, uh, Alex, uh, this is going to be a uh, uh, a first for you. What are you planning to play in Vegas?
2: Well, I'm definitely playing the main. That's always been a dream. So I'm very excited, but also petrified, right? Because I know what the probability of me even cashing is. So like I'm trying to mentally prepare myself for I'm not going to cash, but I'm playing and then I've, um, the, that website that I forget what it's called now that they just put up, where uh, not just a uh, well series uh, of poker tournaments are listed, but everything else that is running at the same time in a different casinos is brilliant because I'm definitely going to play some other smaller events. Um, I'm there for two weeks. I'm staying at a place that has a fridge, freezer, and a washing machine. Um, and, <laughs> you know,
0: we will, I, we will send our I laundry over to backpack. you. Alex. It's great to
2: know. I've invested in power banks. I'm gonna have little Tupperware of food. Um I'm uh yeah, so I, I'm trying to get myself set up so I've I'm literally don't need to worry about anything else but making the right decisions at the table. So it sounds like Party and Alex's, Dara. Things.
0: We're 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 in ballys in a cramped little hotel room, I'm sure. This sounds much nicer
1: well i mean come on the alex o'brien vegas experience is always going to be much better than our <laughs> let's keep the expenses down and let's reduce the amount of, of uh, hang on a second to... hang
2: on a second i survived the Bonnington. can we just talk about don't, don't you it?
1: scandalize the Bonnington on a
0: UniBet sponsored show how dare you
1: yeah I mean I don't even know how Alex did it like Alex Alex brought me treats uh, as she was leaving and you know this was the Bonington so you were on the
2: final table I was yeah but but I was expecting
1: I was expecting you know it being the Bonington it was going to be like a bar of chocolate or something somehow she got these amazing treats like Belgian waffle chocolate etc like how does she just Alex just have her own universe where like you know there's a special like portal that she just goes through and gets all the really good stuff because she definitely lives better than the rest of us. Um, I know.
2: I just make sure. I, I mean, I make sure I'm okay, and then I make sure everybody else is okay. So because I, I have a saying. I repeat this: like everybody in the O'Brien orbit has done a plus EV. So uh, you know, I, I yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I started um, uh, training uh, for the um, Royal Parks Half again, and I, I, I am now instead of hungry every minute, I'm hungry ever every other second so like i'm constantly thinking about food and having the right types of food is really important to me i eat a lot
1: sorry i i'm i'm pretty convinced at this point that alex is actually an alien and actually if you take the first two letters of her name and the last three they it actually spells out alien i think it's actually incredibly blatant oh my god
2: <laughs> no way. Yeah. Well, let's talk about where Alex come from, right? We we we're not gonna out myself here, but yeah, that's a g- fun game that we like to play at the poker table. Yeah, also I mean,
1: she, no
0: spoilers because people need no to know No
2: He's supposed no, to be
1: from a certain country, and nobody just ever guesses that. Nobody poker. guesses so, right,
2: nobody yeah. that. it's good. Yeah, no, it's fun. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, food is important. I I am looking forward to seeing you guys there. I'm also looking forward to seeing lots of my friends. Uh, who are out there already?
0: Um, um, I think I'm so glad you finished that sentence that way because it ended like I'm looking forward to seeing you guys, and I'm looking forward to seeing my friends. That's that. That, that was just weirdly worded. My, my other like, friends. I,
2: you, you guys are family. I, Come I on. Left a long I pause. You guys you,
0: you left a long pause.
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look, no, no.
0: i just got a glimpse of myself and how red I've become. It's this time of year where it's about 40 degrees in Malta, and oh. I can't put my fan on or else it'll interfere with the audio quality. So I'm going to have to wrap this one up before I literally faint. Um, quick plug. <laughs> for an exciting Unibet Poker sponsored festival on the horizon, guys. The festival in Tallinn is coming up. It's taking place in the Olympic Park Casino between June 27th and July 3rd. If you're not going to Vegas, this is the place to be. Uh, We cannot recommend this one enough from uh, now until June 22nd. I think it is players can win an 1150 package for this festival every Wednesday night on on Monday nights I hope I got all those details right I think I did Andy Payton won't be giving me a hard time Uh, I asked Dara you know this man very well the festival's founder Frankie von Sleiberg, for a quote to help sell the festival and of course he did not disappoint he said the festival talent is all about destination you don't have to play poker roulette or blackjack tournaments all day and night just some of the time I'm sure he means uh, for seven days even though there's a calendar there that enables you to do so make sure you enjoy the city enjoy our side activities Spend time off the felt with new and old friends. He is a man who really knows how to put on a poker event with the focus on enjoyment, it must be said. Dara, what do you think
1: of Frankie? What do you think of Talon? Sell it to me in a couple of lines there. Frankie's an absolute force of nature. I mean, in terms of like selling, and I mean, Frankie could literally sell you anything. And, uh, you know, oh
0: God. <laughs> that's prop, very sinister. Prop.
1: Probably the biggest compliment I can make I can make him is that my wife is incredibly jaded when it comes to meeting poker people. But when she met Frankie in Malta, she was like, This guy's absolutely amazing. Uh, so, so he's, he's such a fascinating individual and so many strings to his bow. Also, Talinn. Um, you know, Talon is really it's the most chill place in the world, probably to play poker. Um, you know, you, you get different experiences in, in, in the great places. When you go to Melbourne, you get a very uniquely Aussie. Um everything is I, I, everything is kind of chipper and upbeat, et cetera, et cetera. When you come to Ireland, you get a different experience where everybody's very, very enthusiastic, et cetera, et cetera. When you go to Tallinn, you just get the most chilled uh, atmosphere imaginable uh, where it, it seems like everything's going to be okay. Um, um, so yeah, that's I guess that's the main thing about Tallinn, I would say.
0: Yeah, my abiding memory of Frankie is from one of my first tournaments after my son Hunter was born. I think Hunter was only maybe a few months old and uh, Sharon was doing the excursion. I was still in the tournament. I think she went to a, a I think was a, it? it's actually really cool. And this sort of shows the kind of stuff he puts on. It was an art exhibit in a vineyard. So all the art was like in the in the vineyard and you were kind of served wine and walked around, pranced around, looking at the paintings. It sounded really cool, to be honest. But on the bus back, I, I think, you know, in fairness, Frankie had imbibed his, more than his fair share. He drank of, half of the vineyard, probably. Uh, Bratislav and wine or whatever it was. And he stole my son, Hunter's uh, rabbit, which he still has his little bunny. And he was in the fetal position in the corridor of the bus, just lying with the rabbit, having a little snooze on the way back. That's the memory I have when I collected them off the bus that day. And a couple of photos I saw of it as well. Anyway, on that note, it has been so brilliant to have a special guest of this quality. Alex O'Brien, thank
2: you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always lovely to spend time with my friends. Thanks, oh, you Alex, and you, you can go
1: back to whatever alien portal is that you came into <laughs> look, look, looking
2: like that. Oh, all right, well, love you guys.
0: Excellent. So thank you, of course, Daryl Cardi, for your wonderful co-hosting.
1: Thank you, David. Yep, looking forward to spending some time with you in Vegas as well and my real friends, as Alex said.
0: <laughs> well, our next show will start WSOP anchor, Kara Scott, so don't miss out on that lock-in. Until next time, guys, thanks a million. Good night
2: night